sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Good evening, spooksters, parastalkers, grand poopas, lurkers, and all those other people that like to listen in to Spooky Sundays. Welcome to Newcastle Live Radio with your hosts, myself, Anne Rekovich, and... And hello to everyone this evening. My name is Renata Daniel. Great to be here, isn't it? I'm just finding that my oh, there we are. I've just found a button I'm touching, and uh, it's now, turned my volume up. So you know, you know what happens when you touch buttons. Just stop it. I know. I get into trouble as long as we don't mention the f word. We will be fine. Hey guys, it's six weeks until Anne and Renata head to the UK on their haunted road trip, but also their uh, naughty, naughty town names. Is it or na- naughty and nice? Naughty, frightfully nooks. good road trip. So the See, the name gets longer and longer. No, no, no. Naughty and nice, frightfully good road trip okay. in the UK. Yep. And Naughty Nooks. And our... Um, oh, yes. Come and say it. Um, Sacred Bush and Holy Holes Ireland. road trip to Ireland. Yep. <laughs> and we've got Sky working on a T-shirt for us. <laughs> and a shout out to a few people who are watching us live right now. Um, and that is Michaela. Hello. And Jesse. Hello. Joe. Hello. Who else do we have here? Susan and Deborah and Justin. Hi, guys. Thanks for watching. And thank you to those people who have sent their questions through already to 0490 Now, they've been very kind and left us some um, loot from Babina. I think Babina's been dropping yes. off some things for, for us Valentine's to try. Valentine's Day, we've yeah. got some gold hearts. Yeah, so we've, we've tried those and yeah, um, they those. are deliciously sweet and chocolatey. Yeah. But what else have they left us, Renata? Oh, they've left us uh, what is left and they've gone through these, so they mustn't be too bad. Um, they are Warheads Extreme Sour Hard Candy. Um, and we want to know whether you would like no. us to have one of these live. No. Uh, while we are um, recording. Trying radio. to do a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. You will have to suck one whilst trying to do a story. Right. Oh, okay. You can go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Renata, do we have any paranormal news tonight? What's in the news? Well, look. There were, and really, guys, there can't be news every week. Although, if you are uh, in England, yes, multiple times a week, obviously. But I'm not going to read English ghost stories every single week. Um, just most weeks. Just, just most weeks, because honestly, that's where you seem to get most of the um, weekly ghost stories. But I thought I would jump into Japan oh. tonight because I came across this really interesting story that invo- involves a toilet. And, uh, you know, I've had some issues with our, our toilet oh, you have. over the last couple of weeks. And so. I've had an issue with my father not making it to the toilet. Yeah. So so we've had some bowel bowl, 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 bowl issues. Bowel bowls. Uh, and, and so, you know, the spirits gave me this story, so I thought it's, oh, it's best it to read channeled. it. It was channeled. And this is about Hanako-san. And this superstition and myth comes from Japan, obviously. And Japan is a home of countless superstitions 
about the paranormal. They love their spooky stuff over in Japan. And Hanako-san haunts female restrooms in schools. Now, where does this all come from? Well, you may ask. Interestingly enough, I've got the goss on this. <gasps> Fancy that. <laughs> Right. I'm trying to take care of buzzing phones right, here. Right. So the legend, the legend, let me let me Oh please tell me the legend, let me Renata. Tell you about this. So the legend has many variations, but we will begin with the most popular tale that seemed to have the most claimed accounts for this particular story. And it begins when Hanako san, an elementary school girl, was playing hide and seek when she was killed by a bombing raid in World War Two. Oh sad. It is said that she was hiding in the first store closest to the entrance of the female restroom on the third floor when this happened. Many have claimed that this very store opens and closes on its own. But the truth is that uh, it could be Hanako-san attempting to lure, lure girls into the restrooms. Okay. Uh, I'm going to open and close a door to lure you in because that's nothing like a lure, like an open and closing door. Yeah. Oh, it brings ghost hunters in. So... um Let's begin, this this article says, let's begin by examining an elementary school's washroom. It is notorious for its poor lighting and as a result, children often refuse to use the washroom, even in dire emergencies in fear of Hanako-san or other entities that may exist. That takes me back to my um, primary school days when... Our toilets smelt revolting. Oh, they always do. And why is it kids always miss and there's poos on the floor? Gagging to go in there. And I would hold on all day long, all day long, to not go to the toilet because it just smelt so bad. But did you ever have that as well, that that you'd go in there and be a a, a bog on the floor? No, well, I try not to. I try not to. But I mean, if if you guys have had the same issues, text in a message on (coughs) 0490 and let us know what your experiences of primary school toilets are like. Now, I'm going back a long time, obviously. Mm, Not that long, not that long, but a long enough time. But yes, terrible. Now, it is said between the hours of one and three in the morning in the girls' washrooms, if you knock three times on the first stall closest to the entrance on the third floor It was of the wrong the door, Renata. You've got to go do the right door now. That's better. Right. And ask if Hanako-san is there or if she's done yet <laughs> and repeat this to the next stalls, you may hear a response of what seems to be like an innocent, sometimes scared little schoolgirl. Hi. And she calls out to you, I'm here, or I'm done. And the stall door opens just a crack. So there are stories where people have opened the stall to see this girl only to be confronted by a three-headed lizard ready to devour them. Hang on, how did we go from a little school girl to a three-headed lizard? I don't know, it's Japanese. Well, it speaks English too by the sounds of it. As frightening as this may be, uh, an even more frightful legend exists, even more widespread as a belief. Right, here we go. It is thought to be as an absolute truth that most children, as what you really encounter, 
or to what you really encounter is the sight of a young innocent schoolgirl with bobbed hair, a burn scar on her face, oh. wearing most a most noticeably, noticeably red skirt or dress. Oh. Some say that she's harmless, while others claim to have witnessed firsthand the evil nature behind Hanako-san as she pulls her victim into the toilet, never to be seen again. Is that three-headed lizard gobbles you up? My God. Alas, we must consider some other accounts and popular beliefs to this legend. In some schools or prefectures, some students have claimed to have seen other paranormal activities at the presence of Hanako-san, such as the flickering of light, <gasps> opening and closing of bathroom stalls, and blood flowing from the faucets. faucets. <laughs> Taps. There. In some schools or prefectures, it is believed that Hanako-san may be found in the third store or in the fourth store. Just as, don't take any risks. Don't go the to the toilet. Four, the number four in Japanese can also mean death. Wow. Now, the Yamagata prefecture holds a strong legend over this tale. And should Hanako-san speak to you in a frightening voice, you are to die at the claws of a three-headed lizard. Oh, so it's come back up again, that lizard. <laughs> Things come up out of the toilet all the time. This is my fear when we go to do the ghost tour at uh, Copeland Tops, <laughs> is that something is going to come out of, out of those long drops and bite you on the, mm. the bits when you, you're most vulnerable. So dif- different prefectures believe in slightly different variations on what comes out of the toilet, hmm? such as a head, a bloody hand, or a large white hand. While these legends slightly differ from school to school, prefecture to prefecture, one thing is known among students. Do not bother Hanako-san or you might not live. I just reckon if the stall door is shut, just don't go in there. That's just, right. Just keep away. Just if you hear anything, just go away. So if you... You uh, come across Hanako-san, the only way to defeat it is to present perfect grades to it and only then can your life be spared. Oh, so Japanese. So Japanese. It sounds to me like a mother or a father (laughs) has made this story up or a teacher who wants them to get good grades. Uh, However, one should heed warning. While some believe it can be any perfect grade, it is said that the only method to defeat her is to present the perfect grades of an exam. However, it is also said that it's impossible to defeat it. Once you're lured in, there's no turning back. Because once you get into that toilet, you can't get out. And look, let's face it. What if you, you presented a perfectly folded piece of origami out of toilet paper? No. No? No, no, no. Nice crane, stalk, something no, like that? No. Bin chicken? This is great. Um, some teachers also uh, say that telling their students uh, to play... Um, hold on, let me go back, let me go oh, back. No, no, she's... Uh, it's also said that it's impossible to defeat it and once you're lured in, lured in, you can't turn back. There are also rumours that Hanako-san sometimes plays in the schoolyard or if you scrape your knee in the schoolyard, you might get cursed with a fungal infection <laughs> that grows mushrooms throughout your leg and body. Well, at least it's not your crotch. Some teachers also expand on this by telling their students that if they play outside without permission, Hanako-san will curse them with mushrooms. Isn't this great? Uh, there are variations. So we heard the first one, she died from a bomb in World War II, but yep. some believe she was an abused victim, driven to suicide or was murdered at school. And in some prefectures, Hanako-san is believed to have died from an unfortunate accident such as falling out a library window. 
and that landed, ended her in the toilet. Yeah. So her, her name originates from the early 50s when Hanako was a popular female name, which was about when the rumours started. So since then, school children were often fa- forced into the attempt of summoning Hanako-san either for bullying or by means of initiation, while others have tried to summon her for pure entertainment. So rumours and legends did not stay in classrooms as these stories have been adapted into various Japanese films such as Hanako from 1995. Is that some of the ones that they made us watch where there was things crawling out of places that they shouldn't be? Hold on. <laughs> Ghost Hunters React this, on this, YouTube. This this next title is, is sweet. Well, that's okay. All, all right. I'll, I'll not interrupt. <clears throat> Hanako of the Toilet, 2013. <laughs> and Hanako with the Terror of Allegory. Allegory. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So with so many legends, personal accounts and films, could the urban legends be true? After all, Hanako-san is one of the most popular elementary school superstitions in Japan. And perhaps, just perhaps, there's some truth to it. There's only one way to find out if you dare. Knock on the toilet door and see what happens. Is it Hanoka? Are you finished yet? Hurry up. Three-headed lizard covered in mushrooms comes out. Mm. And that comes from um, japling.com, which is uh, a web page all about culture and articles of Japan. That was fabulous, and Renata. That was awesome. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And it's time for my weird story. Ooh. Now, um, I've had some people say, no, don't eat the sour lollies. I've had some people say, yes, definitely eat the sour lollies. So um, I've got one cracked and ready to go. Mm-hmm. What flavour is it, eh? It's blue raspberry. Oh, I have a blue tongue. <laughs> but I don't know whether I'm going to be able to talk and and do this at the same time. But I suppose oh. that's half the fun, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it, yeah. Um, okay, it, go for it. I'm, I'm watching her. She's actually going to be putting it in her oh. mouth. Shortly. God, I'm gonna have to. S- I may have to spit it out. So get your hand ready. <laughs> <laughs> spit it out of my hand. Well, <laughs> got to go somewhere. I don't think they want it on the sound desk. <laughs> so now you were talking before about how we've always got um, England. <laughs> England's always the way. It's a spooky Isles. Yep. So we're going to talk about the Sitwell family and Renishaw Hall. Now I did pop a photo up on the Facebook. Uh, group page on Newcastle Live Radio. You can have a look if you want to see what it looks like. Um, so apparently the the family who are living there now have always known that there's a ghost there. They've been told that it's part of their childhood uh, and they've, they've tried to find out you know, a little bit more about it. Uh, but it's the, the ghost story is actually about a coffin. Mm, okay. Right, I'm going to pop it in my mouth. Here we go. <laughs> Not the coffin. Oh, <laughs> Yep, she, no, my she's tongue just, just shriveled <laughs> in the Sitwell family. It's always been known as the reddish. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, that was like five seconds. All right, let's, let's see how long I last. Five seconds. Do you, want, do you want to use this lolly? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's impossible. No. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Um. Uh. 
The famous, apparently they've got a famous literary trio in the family, Osbert, Edith and Sasha Vell. Sasha, Sasha, Sasha Verrell. Uh, they heard about these stories when they were growing up as children and still lingering. <laughs> <laughs> Their famous Renishaw Hall, a doomy Derbyshire mansion dating back to 1625, was always known to be haunted, but it was not until their eccentric father, Sir George Sitwell, apparently he must have sat well, mm-hmm. decided to improve the house by altering and enlarging... <laughs> Wrong. You'll find out the central <laughs> staircase that the coffin came to light. Right, so in, in order to carry out the renovations he wanted to do, um, they had to demolish two small rooms. <laughs> I was going to set my asthma off. <coughs> they had to demolish two small rooms, one on the ground floor and one on the first floor bedroom. So uh, they said, Sir George said to the um, the people who were doing the work, keep an eye out for anything that you might see because we're trying to restore the history of the place and we know how old it is and if you find any like little bits and pieces, because sometimes you get coins and buttons and yeah, you things stuffed down the uh, walls. Um, he was hoping that they might find something. Mm-hmm. But what they found shocked everyone. They... Um, created a mystery also that still hasn't been solved to this day. They found a coffin. Oh. But not only did they find a coffin, it appeared to have once had a body in it, but there was no body in it anymore. (coughs) Um, And there was traces of clothing and hair inside the coffin, but no actual body. Oh. Well, they took whoever it was, dear old Gran. Well, no, no, just hang on, hang on. No, it gets worse. Uh, The coffin appeared to have been made during the 17th century. So that's the 1600s when the house was first built Mm -hmm. and was firmly fastened to the beams with iron clamps. But oddly, due to the depths of the joist, the coffin did not have a lid on it with the floorboards serving just a, such a purpose. Oh, so so dear old Gran was staring up at the. Well, we don't know. With her was sunken gra- eyes. Well, <laughs> oh, you could be right. It could be Gran. But so this, if you think of looking up at the ceiling, and with a coffin that has been attached to the ceiling in between the ground and the first floor. Nice. That's what this is, and they've used the the first floor floor yeah. as the lid, mm-hmm. and so, somebody was in it. Yes. Yes. Like. Nice. And there wasn't a a hole to get out at the top. Talking about lucky charms. (laughs) I love this family. Um, There's no official documentation for death or burial at the hall. Uh, So they've got no idea where this coffin has come from and why. Um, And why was it firmly fastened in this fashion? It seems as if someone were to go through the trouble of digging out a hole and fastening iron clamps in place. Why would they have placed it somewhere without enough room for a lid or even, you know, a more well-hidden location? And, of course, where the hell's the body gone? Mm. Uh, so what has actually happened to the inside that coffin and why it was there will never be known, but they reckon it's the reason why there's a haunting. Mm. So the discovery of this uh, coffin back in the day uh, may have shed some light on some experiences some women had earlier. 
So there were two women who had slept in the bedroom, which is now being demolished, right? Because remember we said they had to demolish a bedroom. Um, And it was Miss Tate, daughter of Archibald Campbell Tate, the Archbishop of Canterbury. She'd been invited to Derbyshire in 1885 to join the house party celebrating Sir George's coming of age. In the middle of the night, she was awakened by someone kissing her three times. The kisses were icy cold. And the room was empty. So immediately she ran to the room where Sir George's sister was sleeping and told her what had happened. And then they made up a bed for her on the sofa for the friend, explaining that nothing would induce her to sleep in that room. as She'd had exactly the same experience once. Oh. Mm. After the party... Uh, the Mr. Turnbull came to see uh, the Sir George about some business, and during the conversation, Sir George jokingly told him about Miss Tate's phantom kisses. But apart from having a laugh at the poor girl's expense, he actually looked shocked because he too had stayed in that particular bedroom for his honeymoon. And a friend, uh, a friend of the Ages Bright had come to stay. So uh, she had slept in the same bedroom and had the same experience. She left the next morning, obviously frightened, but the Turnbulls had simply credited her with an over, uh, overactive imagination. One autumn evening, a few years after Miss Tate's haunting, Lady Sitwell was entertaining a few guests in the upstairs drawing room after dinner. The room was brightly lit and the door stood open onto a passage. Was it the back passage, Renata? (laughs) It's a side passage. (laughs) Where there's a hole. (coughs) Oh, dear. She was chatting to a friend who sat on her left when she became conscious of a figure in the passage outside. Friends noticed that she seemed to be following something with her eyes. Uh, And then she actually wrote in a letter, um, I saw the figure with such distinctness that I had no doubt at all that I was looking at a real person, while at the same time, although seated in a well-lit room when chatting with friends, I was conscious of an uneasy, creepy feeling. I tried to see the features but could not. Even before I called out, my friends noticed that I appeared to be following something with my eyes. The light in the passage was good, and I could see... (coughs) Sorry, it's that freaking lolly. (laughs) I could see so well that I could distinguish the exact shade of the dress. The figure was that of a woman aged between 50 and 60 years of age, and her grey hair was done up into a bun under an old-fashioned cap. Sounds like someone I know. <laughs> no. I have never seen a ghost, nor have I been thinking about ghosts. So apparently at the time she's called out, who's that? Mm-hmm. But nobody answered. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they went out and had a look and there was nobody there. So um, they felt that it was full of sadness and it just sort of melted away into the shadows. But they've also heard the sounds of crying. Um, from this room and unexplainable drops in temperature. But to this day, nobody really knows who was in the coffin. Was it this older lady with her hair um, pulled up in a bun or what was it? I've got this lolly stuck to my head (laughs) and it's like gross. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to get one of those in the break. So, guys... Did you enjoy that story? That's a great story. That's a great one. 
and now it's time for spooky chat. And look, guys, it is as I said, it's six weeks before Renata and I head off to uh, the United Kingdom and to Ireland. Uh, but we are not going to leave you high and dry with nothing to listen to while we are gone. What we're going to do is we're going to have some episodes pre-prepared for you guys, so that you can follow our trip as we go. So each week we will be letting you know where we're going to visit that week. We're going to tell you the ghost stories and the haunted locations so that you can then follow along on YouTube and Facebook and see where we're going and you'll know what all the story is behind it. So it's sort of like a bit of an interactive thing. I'm a little bit excited about doing yeah, that. We've that started good. Mm-hmm. We've started recording and it's uh, it's going to be a big thing to get uh, that many episodes done, but we're doing it for you guys, so you better listen. <laughs> now... It okay. is spooky chat time, and yep. you've got a question there. But before we do the question, yep. um, Renata has accepted the this challenge. This is my big idea, so I've got to suck yep. it up now. Literally. literally suck it up. So she's ripping me off for only lasting five seconds. What flavour have you chosen for your I've, extreme sour? I've chosen apple. Apple. She looked at the watermelon and the, the grape and turned her nose up at those. She thought the apple will be less violent for sure. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a message from who? Um, Jenny Pearson. Right. So you're going to read out Jenny Pearson's message whilst sucking on an extremely sour lolly. Good luck with that. Off you go. Why do you think Zach Bacons believes everything is a demon? Look, I think that's because he has Renata, Daniel. <laughs> that is the most horrid thing I have ever put in my Thank mouth. Thank you, Bonnie and Steve, for leaving us those. Oh. Did you dare to do those live on air? Oh. <laughs> it sticks with you for a while. <laughs> I've got tears rolling down my face. That she is... had to bolt off a chair to the bin. All right. <coughs> so, thank you for that question, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, look, I think Zach has realised that if he's going to keep his enter- uh, his his audience entertained, he needs to give them <laughs> um, something dramatic, something controversial. And they've got a big Christian population in America who are all the preachers are about demons and the angels and and uh, all that sort of thing. So <laughs> he needs to do that to keep his audience. Um, for watching. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, the more drama and the more demons you pack into a show, uh, the more likely people are to watch. That's just <laughs> the basis of it. I've got tears streaming down my face. That was the most disgusting thing I have ever, <laughs> ever had. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, you people, ripped me off. <laughs> people buy this stuff. Mm-hmm. My God. Okay, there's another question from Jenny. Gems, rocks, crystals and flora have properties, but how do humans know that they had certain things to inspire for or help or open up blockages or shut bad things out or heal wounds or make someone well? That's an awesome question. That's a really good question, Jenny. And a lot of this, I think, goes back to folklore and what has been passed down from generation to generation uh, with... um, healers from pagan times really where they've they've learnt that certain herbs have certain properties and can help you in certain ways as for crystals how do we work that out yeah I don't know 
Uh, obviously, look, this has been uh, over a very long period of time. And when you go into um, the Chinese herbal medicine, uh, um, look, they've been studying this for thousands and thousands of years and they've written about it all. I've, look, that's about as close as I can get. That horrible thing. Like, <laughs> don't ever, don't ever, ever buy that crap. I thought throw up. Oh, there was a moment where it really tasted like spew. <laughs> It went from it went from nothing to oh my god, and then oh this tastes like vomit, and then I've got to get it out of my mouth. There you go. Okay. Oh dear. Now Maxine actually writes. Um, I was watching a video on YouTube, and Meatloaf was into the spirit world. Well, oh, he is he actually was. very much. Um, <laughs> that's my microphone. Thank you. Sorry. Disaster and shoes whenever on radio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he he actually uh, participated in a few ghost hunting TV shows. He was very much into the paranormal world. Yes. And welcome back to Spooky Chat with Anne and Renata. And uh, you can text your questions into 0490 We have one here from Justin, who is one of our grand poobars. What is your biggest paranormal supernatural fear? Uh, Eating another of those lollies. <laughs> Do you know what my biggest fear is? Mm -hmm. It's actually not of the ghosts or anything like that. It would be putting up a piece of evidence where I say, we've got some definitive proof that this is a ghost and then finding out it's not Mm -hmm. and that it could have been debunked. Mm -hmm. And that would be my most horrid fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Renata? Um, Add to the conversation, woman. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I've yet to encounter my biggest fear. I guess. Um, yeah, I can't give you anything more than that, Justin. I, I do. Other than yeah, not having uh, the next place to go to, that would be my biggest supernatural fear. Oh, that not having another place to go oh, and, and having, investigate. Having ghost hunting banned in the whole world. <laughs> Oh, oh, look, see, Sandra said she liked my choice of um, music. Mm. So thank you, Sandra. Um, yeah, that was Deborah Ann. Where are we up to? Um, oh, and then Robert's also added in with uh, the Fernando song was, There was something in the air that night with Vegemite, Fernando. <laughs> Oh, oh, right, hi Anne and Renata. This is from Kerry. Uh, have you heard about Fisher's ghost at Campbelltown? Oh yes, we. My great grandfather um, had a first-hand experience there. Oh, what happened, Kerry? That would be fascinating, Kerry. and we'd love to tell the girls that run the tour there that um, yes about that experience because uh, you know they I, they run a good tour down there. Yep, and first-hand experiences are always a good thing to share with everyone else. Yes, Fisher's Ghost is kind of the first um, publicised ghost story here in Australia, um, and uh, it's a doozy. Mm. I think I've um, I've done it here before a couple of months ago. Yeah. I've not actually done the Fisher's Ghost tour, though. I would like to go Did and you? do it. I have. Oh, yes. I suppose that was I with traveled, your other friend, was I it? I travelled with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> was it Gail? No, it wasn't. Oh, you've got more friends than Gail and <laughs> I me? I know. I've been. That's a shock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, we were recognised twice today when we were out. First at breakfast 
by some lovely people out at Gloucester because we spent the evening at Gloucester last night doing our tour, which is just really lovely, um, out into the forest and at the museum. And we do recommend, highly recommend that you do the one in March because uh, we would love to keep that going. Yeah. Oh, the glowworms were out oh, last the night. the glowworms were beautiful. Oh, there was so, I've never seen so many in the forest before. It was before. like fairy lights all along the yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this is interesting because we were told to keep this a secret till the 1st of March, but Jodie has just found something on Spotify podcast. Has she? She really? has. Oh, we better not say anything. We're not allowed to. No, we're not. We can't say. But it's up there. Well, like people can find it. Well, no, no, they don't no. know what to look for. Well, no, we, we don't want to get in trouble. We can't. We, we don't want to get in trouble. trouble. We will check with our bosses during the break <laughs> to see if we're allowed to say that. Anyway, um, oh, we didn't tell our listeners what happened this week. It's been a... What happened this dare, week? Dare I say it's been a shit of a week. Um where my father ended up in hospital oh, yes, yes. because he had re- really runny bowels. And um, it turns out he has uh, diverticulitis, mm-hmm. which um, was undiagnosed. But now we've got that sorted. We've got him home now, which is great. But after we'd gone through that whole trauma with getting him, like he was dehydrating, blood pressure dropping to 70 over 30. It was just trauma after trauma. And I got him up there and got him through the doors and looked after and got back home. To find an email from Japan Airlines <laughs> saying, Hello, Mrs. Rekovich. We are sad to say we have cancelled your flights to England. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, you can buy. You can get another flight if you wish. Um, and they'd sent all this. It was like code, and like we even sent it to a friend who is, works in the airlines. And they're going, "We've got no idea what's going on here." I thought it might have been a scam. Mm-hmm. I got onto Japan Airlines. I sat on the phone for two hours. Maybe I should have put it to my ear instead of sitting sitting on it. But <laughs> I I waited two hours on hold until I got hold of a person, mm-hmm. and they were very helpful and lovely. And it turns out that they are no longer flying to Sydney on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And that was the day we were flying out. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, but we've cancelled it. But they said on the way home, we can look after you. But your flight, because uh, my dad had shouted his premium economy f- flights, because um, it was so cheap. Uh, they've um, said, oh, we can get you back home on Japan Airlines, but no premium economy. I went, oh, no, sorry. I want to fly premium economy, so I'll take a full refund, please. So that's how we got the money back. And the money came back yesterday. Mm. I was so relieved to see yes. that money in the account. So we rebooked with Qantas. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realise my... Flying quant- kangaroo. Yeah, because we, we, the problem is there's not a lot of flights coming in and out of Australia at the moment, international. No. So there's not a lot of <coughs> competition. Uh, so we've... Um, I've, I've booked the, the Qantas flights and um, I, I have a little Qantas card that I've got points and things on it. Yeah. And I didn't realise it because I was a member of this Qantas club. I, I thought I just got the standard luggage, mm-hmm. but turns out I get 42 kilos of luggage on an economy ticket, mm. but it is economy. 
Look, but we don't have a 17-hour layover. That was 18. 18 hours. 18 we hour have layover. got rid of the 18-hour layover, so I'm very sorry, my friends. There will be no uh, videos of us at the machines with the lucky claws trying mm-hmm. to grab things or getting Japanese coffee out of machines. Mm-hmm. Playing pachinko for hours on end. Yep. Uh, now we have a one-and-a-half-hour turnaround. In Dubai. In Dubai. Mm. I haven't been to Dubai since I was taken off under armed guards <laughs> for, for putting a packet of sugar in my pocket which happened to be foil lined and set off all the alarms and all these men with machine guns came and got me and escorted me off. I'm like, holy moly, I can have your sugar back. It's okay. Uh, I would just be standing there going, oh, who? I yeah. don't know her. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the second hour of Spooky Sundays with your hosts, Renata Daniel and Anne Rekovich. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we're we're just, still trying to remove that well, warhead taste out of our mouths. We've, we've now um, been treated to something very nice. Bonnie, thank you so much. She actually said, go to the fridge and you'll find some beautiful Shale Point Triple Cream Brie which she said we can have. And we just so happened to have some nice crackers and a bit of pear paste <laughs> in the car, as you do. Um, and we're, we're now hoeing into the cheese and crackers. And my I say, shale point. Wow. Just stunning. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just going to read this message from Kerry, who, uh, mentioned, <laughs> who mentioned to us that her grandfather had had an experience... Don't I'm getting crunch. in trouble. No, don't crunch into the microphone. <laughs> About her uh, experience at Campbelltown. And this is what she writes. My great-grandfather was travelling down to Campbelltown with a horse and dray. And as he got to the bridge, the horse got all upset and wouldn't cross the bridge. He did eventually get across, but with a lot of coaxing of the poor horse. The story goes my great-grandpa reckoned the horse picked up on the spirit that was there. Oh, horses are very sensitive, that Isn't sort of that thing. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for that, Kerry. Yeah, That's thank just you. great. Um, but I'm going to uh, go into another bit of a uh, Australian ghost story, but this time we're travelling all the way down to that little part of Australia that's uh, yeah, still part of Australia, but there's water in between, the big island and the little bit. I don't know what you're talking about, Renata. <laughs> Tasmania. Tasmania. Oh, I remember the first time I rang Tasmania many years ago. I'm from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're used to it. I'm sure they're Hello, very used to Renata it. this is Daniel. I'm calling from Australia. Oh. <laughs> oh awkward. Just, awkward. Shout out to Charmaine. But I started laughing so badly I had to, I had to hang up. And I realised how stupid that was. Anyway, trees are so we're, good. we're going to the Hobart Convict Penitentiary, and we have been there. Mm, yes. The tent. Yes, the tent. It is superb. I've been there three times, I think, now. Now, over the years, more than 40,000 convicts saw their way through this building, and 32 of them would lose their lives here. Although you can only visit the interior of the site during a guided tour, step into the cup, park behind the penitentiary where you'll see into the remains of the prison yard Mm -hmm. the brick prison yard now inside the building are the remains of the original courtroom and chapel and inside the chapel half of the rooms have been excavated away to uncover the hidden tunnels below so do you remember going down and seeing that under the stairs 
Uh, under the under the uh, like aisles of the chapel. Yeah, they they'd built um they they're saying tunnels, but it wasn't tunnels. They were little cells. Yes. Yep. So to get ta- down there, you need to walk down a set of dark wooden stairs. Once below, you oh, can see right. the remains of the original 36 isolated confinement cells. These cells were located underneath the chapel. And this was a horrendous way to treat you know, people. Anyone. Um, but they would people would come in to uh, have Sunday service, and these poor prisoners were locked into these cells, which got smaller and smaller and smaller, uh, and sit underneath the people who mm. were, um, yeah, listening to I the mean, service. Some of the ones that we saw, they would have had to lay down to get into them. Mm, yeah. So despite the chapel being built for the convict, it was also open to the public. The public reported that during services, they could often barely hear the preacher over the screams of the convicts below. In 1847, some of the smallest cells called the dust holes were sealed up as they were deemed to be inhumane. These cells were so small, the convict had to crawl inside. There was no light and poor ventilation, which would make it impossible to breathe. Now, I want to tell you about some of the ghosts that are there. After the penitentiary was converted into the old city jail, the solitary confinement cells were almost all destroyed. The area where they once stood was converted into a tunnel. The tunnel was used to transport criminals underneath the city from the docks to the courtroom. That's a long way. That's a long, long way. This kept them out of the public view, but a few of the solitary confinement cells have been preserved. And one such cell is where we find our first ghost. Despite the cells being painted white, the darkness takes away all but the pitch darkness. The air is cold and damp, and inside these cells, people have been seen with glowing red eyes appearing out of nowhere. And one visitor was thrown violently violently against the wall. Now, perhaps these are the spirits of angry convicts driven mad in the confines of these tiny cells. One of the cells is said to contain an invisible spectre. This ghost also likes to kiss women or graze their hair as they pass by. Graze? Does that mean they munch on their hair? No, no, we don't don't go there. No, one area inside the tunnels was used as the executioner's gallows. A small trapdoor on the floor was installed so prisoners could be hung from the low ceiling and then at the precise moment the floor underneath them would break open and they would fall to their death. Guests and guides have reported the smell of fresh blood or urine around this area where the gallows once were, but the source of the smell can never be located. One of the ghosts that is thought to cause this disturbance is Mary McLaughlin. And Mary McLaughlin was the first woman to be executed in Tasmania for the murder of her own infant son. As she was hung, her body was taken to the hospital where she was dissected. Oh. After she was hung, sorry. This was a common practice for the worst criminals as dissection was seen as a great offence to the dead. Well, it is really because you're, you're, no permission. Mm. You're um, stripping them bare and cutting them up. Mm. Mm. Uh, perhaps an angry ghost still haunts the spot where they took her life. <coughs> now, one of the pen- penitentiary's most famous ghosts is Hangman Solomon Blay. And Blay was a famous hangman before he came to Hobart. Over his career, he ended the lives of over 200 people and seemingly took little empathy in the whole affair. Anyone who touches his noose, which shockingly enough is still on display, has been known to feel his presence. 
he's said to hate when people touch his noose. Perhaps oh, sure because a lot he of men sees that feel them like as that. amateurs, <laughs> not worthy of the job. And then this, this one is horrible, the cannibal ghost. <laughs> one of the most terrifying spirits that haunts the penitentiary is that of Alexander Pierce. Pierce was a pretty low-level criminal, having been, uh, having been convicted of forgeries in Ireland. But when sentenced to the penal colonies in Tasmania, he... Um, Sorry, but was sentenced to the penal qualities of Tasmania. Sorry, I read that incorrectly. In addition to being a forger, Pierce was also an escape artist. He escaped his confinement with seven other prisoners who set out into the seemingly unending forest of Tasmania. They've made a movie of this. Oh, yes. The men had no food, no hunting equipment, and soon they thought they had no choice but to eat each other. When the first of the seven died of a snake bite, he was eaten by his cellmates. Oh, but that's going to have snake poison in the flesh. One by one, they were consumed until the last of the other men fell asleep and Pierce ate them as well. Finally, after more than 100 days on the run, Pierce was captured. He confessed to these crimes and was sentenced to be hung and dissected. Before his death, he was heard screaming to the hangman, man's flesh is delicious. It (gasps) tastes far better than fish or pork. Today, visitors to the old penitentiary have been known to feel cold breath upon their neck. Perhaps this is Pierce waiting to take a bite. Wow. Now, and I have an actual experience um, where they took us down. Oh, and a shout out to Emma and everyone from the Hobart Penitentiary. Um, they took us down underneath where the bodies dropped through the floor. Mm-hmm. So they've got the hangman's noose there and they've got the drop thing. And they took us down. And I had my SLS X cam. Mm-hmm. And I was using, that's the one that maps them into stick figures. And there were stick figures everywhere down there. I've never seen anything like it. And there was one that... Um, the the man was standing there with his hand out trying to feel mm-hmm. if he could, and this thing climbed up onto his arm, climbed right up onto his shoulder, and then onto his head. Wow! It was whoa. So the old convict chapel was partly converted into a courtroom in 1860. One of the judges who, s- who served here suffered a massive heart attack while on the job and died right in his chair. People report smelling rotting meat from time oh. to time near the chair where he expired. Perhaps he saw one of the many ghosts who haunt the site and his heart stopped upon seeing the spectre. After learning about all the ghosts which haunt this site, you can understand why this is thought to be the most haunted spot in Hobart. And look, anyone who goes to uh, Hobart, if you get the opportunity to go to the tench, go go see it. They're, they've kept... Um, some really fascinating history uh, and just to see the, the way that people were treated. Uh, I'm so glad that they saved And they had a really good um, presentation as well, if you remember, Renata. Oh, and it was the Roman that came and saw that with me. That's right, not you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was very well done. Yes. Thoroughly recommended. Yep. Um, we were going to run some workshops and work with the team there to run a, a ghost tour that night. Yeah, but something happened. Yeah, thanks, Rona. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, we've got to get on to this because we've got uh, Crispy coming in after this. Yes. Um, so, Joe very kindly sent me through a suggestion for the ghostwriter. This is what she sent through. Uh, so, I'm not going to announce her last name on the radio, but I'll just say Joe, uh, who's known as the Celtic Dragon, who rescues wildlife in the Victorian Alps, the wildlife warrior who tries to find the elusive Kangawallabat, armed with her magic net. Have Net will rescue any wildlife that needs help. So that was her suggestion for the story. So Auntie Anne's got into the ghostwriter and she's had to sort of fluff it up a little bit to give it a little bit more body. So we could. So I've I've put in in this week's paranormal adventure. Anne and Renata meet up with their good friend Celtic Dragon. Celtic Dragon is known for her wild beauty and has attracted many a mate. But her true passion is rescuing wildlife from the treacherous slopes of the Victorian Alps. I'm getting good at writing, aren't mm. I? I know, right? I'll just be of it. Celtic Dragon reached out to the world-famous ghost hunters Anne and Renata to help her track down and save a ferocious mythical creature called the Gangawallabat. Celtic Dragon, armed with her magic net, enlist Anne and Renata using the ovalus to capture this elusive creature. Will Celtic Dragon be successful? Will she survive? So that's what I've entered. Mm-hmm. And then I've said Ghost Rider. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Here is Anne and Renata's latest adventures starring Joe Celtic Dragon. Anne and Renata were in the Victorian Alps tracking down their good friend Celtic Dragon to help her catch a ferocious mythical creature called Kangawallabat. Celtic Dragon was known for her wild beauty and had attracted many a mate, but her true passion was rescuing wildlife from the treacherous slopes of the Victorian Alps. Celtic Dragon reached out to the world-famous ghost hunters Anne and Renata to help her track down and save a kangawallabat. She knew their ghost hunting skills would be useful, especially if they brought the ovalus with them. The three of them tracked the kangawallabat all over the Victorian Alps, but they were never able to capture it. Finally, after weeks of tracking it, Celtic Dragon used her magic net to capture it. Celtic Dragon performed surgery on the Kangawallabat and she was able to nurse it back to health. Isn't she wonderful? So she does surgery on it. When She's it's very talented. Fine. It's fine in the first place. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, apparently it needed surgery. Okay. <coughs> Celtic Dragon needed the Kangawallabat with her as there were rumours that a baby-stealing dingo had moved into the oh, area. Oh, no. No. Okay. I may have added the baby-stealing dingo, and then it took over again. The Kangawallabat was only too happy to help Celtic Dragon. Celtic Dragon's magic is so strong, Celtic Sword can even sense it through universes. She had also battled demons with Celtic Sword before, so the Kangawallabat wasn't afraid of helping Celtic Dragon out either. Plans are now in action for Celtic Dragon to go after this new threat called the Dingo Kingpin. Mm-hmm. This is this is Ghost Rider, not me. Yeah. Who has captured many babies from his den in the Victorian Alps. Realising this is a dangerous mis- mission, Celtic Dragon calls in ghost hunters and best friends Anne and Renata to help solve the mystery. Anne and Renata arrive via private helicopter and parachute <laughs> to Celtic Dragon's better. secret hideout. Uh-huh. Celtic Dragon's briefs. Uh, sorry, not Celtic Dragon's briefs. Uh, Kel- <laughs> <coughs> Celtic Dragon briefs them about the new threat, the Dingo Kingpin. Uh-huh. The team spring into action and search Celtic Dragon's magical net for any clues. 
they find the dead bodies of Celtic dragon's friends, <gasps> Celtic seahorse and Celtic horses. <laughs> God. Right. Celtic dragon sobs in grief, but holds it together for Anne and Renata. Oh, brave she Celtic She knows dragon. they are depending on her to get them out of this mess alive. There is no time to waste. The dingo kingpin has taken another child hostage just outside Celtic dragon's secret hideout. Celtic, Celtic dragon sets off after him with Anne and Renata by her side. Celtic dragon swoops down on his den, rescuing the baby from certain doom and she flies out triumphantly oh as she flies out triumphantly there is a loud crackling sound coming from celtic dragon's magic net which means celtic sword was calling her back home to fight the dingo kingpin celtic dragon reluctantly returns bidding farewell to anne and renata before disappearing with celtic sword into the night sky now, I thought at this stage, stuff that they've palmed off Anna and Renata. <laughs> We're going to write Anna and Renata back into the uh-huh. story. Realising Celtic Dragon would need them for support in her battle against the Dingo Kingpin, Anna and Renata called for their private helicopter to airlift them out and they could go to Celtic Dragon's aid. Aren't I clever? Yeah. They were going to try and end their story there, stuff that. (laughs) Anne and Renata knew it was getting serious, so they cracked out their ectoplasmic ray guns. They flew with all haste to arrive just in time to see Celtic Dragon take flight with Celtic Sword by her side. Celtic Dragon's dark green cloak billowed behind her as she returned Celtic Sword to its rightful owner. Huh? Huh? Celtic dragon landed near the gorge where the dingo kingpin had his den. Anne Renata watched Celtic dragon move carefully towards his lair. Celtic dragon's cloak swishing in the wind. It's now got an obsession with the cloak. The dingo kingpin appeared at the edge of the gorge. I'm warning you, Celtic dragon. Leave now or I'll shoot your little kangawalla bat. Oh, it's back, right? No, the Gangawalla bat was there to help them all along after she did surgery on it, remember? Yeah. It's the Celtic sword that's disappeared. Yeah. Keep up with the story, Renata. Yeah, right. Celtic yeah. dragon stood firm against the dingo kingpin and readied herself for battle. And Renata headed nearer to the dingo kingpin but hidden out of sight so they could get a good view of what Celtic dragon was doing. Celtic dragon called for Celtic sword and Celtic sword emerged from Celtic dragon's magic net ready to save the day. The dingo kingpin pointed his wand at Celtic Dragon and Anne and Renata got ready with their ectoplasmic ray guns. Pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew. The ovalus began to give off readings. I sense danger. Will Robinson. <laughs> didn't say Will Robinson, but... Celtic Dragon's sword waved back and forth, slicing, slicing through the dingo's <laughs> wand like butter. Before he knew what hit him, Celtic Dragon's magic net swept down around Dingo Kingpin's ankles, biting him tightly so he couldn't run away. Celtic Dragon swooped down on the Dingo Kingpin, swiping Celtic swords across his face twice until cried out in pain when she retreated safely to... um, What? Then she retreated to the safety of Celtic Dragon's magic net. I'm so confused. (laughs) 
Anne need and to, Renata. You need to pay him more money. I know. Anne and Renata would get a better writer. <laughs> Anne and Renata were relieved Celtic Dragon was all right. Celtic Dragon's dark green coke ripple, co- coke? <laughs> cloak rippled in Celtic Dragon's wings <laughs> as Celtic Dragon rose high into the sky for a final showdown with the dingo pin, a kingpin. I thought it was wrapped up in rope and couldn't move. Celtic Sword returned to Celtic Dragon's hand after she had caught it mid-air. Oh, that's impressive. Anne and Renata aimed at ectoplasmic guns at what they hoped would be Celtic Dragon's final battle with the Dingo Kingpin. Pew, 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 pew. Anne and Renata knew Celtic Dragon was strong, but so was he. Celtic Dragon attacked the dingo's arms, then his legs. It looked like the dingo kingpin's body was bound tightly in Celtic Dragon's magic net, but he wasn't giving up just yet. Celtic Dragon swiped Celtic sword across his back and he roared in pain. Ow. (laughs) No foley work for you. (laughs) Anna Renata felt Celtic Dragon's muscles tense under Celtic Dragon's cloak just before Celtic Dragon flung Celtic sword into the dingo's knee, slicing it open. There's too many Celtics in that sentence. Celtic Dragon's magic snared around the dingo kingpin's neck, winding tighter and tighter until his eyes rolled back in his head from lack of oxygen and he fell to the ground face first. Nearly finished. The Ovilus began to give off readings again. I sense... Life. (gasps) With that final blow, Anne and Renata were finally back in the story. New Celtic Dragon had won the battle with the Dingo Kingpin once and for all. Celtic Dragon descended slowly with Celtic Sword's return. Anne and Renata ran to Celtic Dragon's side and Celtic Dragon's... And Celtic Dragon's deep emerald eyes glowed with intense pride. The dingo's minions tried to make a run for it, but Celtic Dragon swooped down upon them, slicing off their legs with Celtic Sword's ferocity. Anne and Renata felt Celtic... Uh, that sounds like we've had been there before. Anne and Renata felt Celtic Dragon's muscles tense once more under Celtic Dragon's cloak because Celtic Dragon flood Celtic Sword. Night air. They're just seeing if I can do it twice. Catching it mid-flow in a perfect arch. The Ovilus began giving off readings again. I sense life. Anna Renata relieved that Celtic Dragon had won the final battle of the day against the Dingo Kingpin's minions. After a while, Anna Renata checked the Dingo Kingpin's pulse to discover he had died from lack of oxygen. Oh, gee, this is sounding like something else here. Celtic Dragon had killed the King, the Ding King, <laughs> Dingo Kingpin. I know you said something really bad then. <laughs> Celtic Dragon's cloak swished in Celtic Dragon's wings as Celtic Dragon took off into the night sky, flying high above Anne and Renata's heads towards Celtic Dragon's care, cave lair for their rest. Celtic Dragon had saved the Kangawalla bat and rid the world of the Dingo Kingpin. In just a few hours, Anne and Renata were exhausted and stumbled towards Celtic Dragon's cave, which Celtic Dragon had left open as Celtic Dragon knew Anne and Renata would need a place to rest. Celtic Dragon's Celtic Sword laid on Celtic Dragon's bed. Celtic Dragon's Ovilus laid upon Celtic Dragon's kitchen bench. And Celtic Dragon herself was already fast asleep in Celtic Dragon's bed atop Celtic Sword's (laughs) bed. And 
out of sight with relief that his story was nearly over. Oh, my God. That it had been an uneventful night in the Celtic Dragon's lair. Apparently, all of that was an uneventful night. Mm-hmm. They climbed the rocky staircase up towards the cave entrance, making sure they closed the door tightly so no kangawallabats would escape. The end. Oh, my God. God. I need a drink after that. (laughs) Hey, Joe, did you enjoy your story? Let me know. If I heard Celtic Dragon one more time, I would have punched you. We are running very late, but we always always have time for our beautiful Christy from Spells and Spirits. How are you this evening, my darling? Feeling very Celtic. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we should have... all be feeling very emeraldy and Celticy right now. We did get some good feedback, though. People did enjoy it. And poor Joe said the Celtic dragon is exhausted from laughing. I mm-hmm. won't be in the good books with the dingo carers, <laughs> <No>. me thinks. <laughs> <laughs> now, we have a very auspicious date coming up this week. What we do? What, what say you, sweet spells and spirit woman? <laughs> so spells, this spe- week, this <laughs> Tuesday will be twenty second of the second twenty two. So two 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 two. Two 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 two. And at two, <laughs> what do we have to do at two twenty two? Oh. I oh, know. We'll just take your clothes off and run around the mood, I reckon. Ah, 22 <laughs> on 22 two, 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 two. <laughs> What did you say? But, right. yes, this Tuesday will be the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022, so five twos. But do you know what that means, don't you? No, no idea. So it should mean that there's some great two for Tuesday pizza deals. But... <laughs> 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 But this is the most powerful number date that we'll actually see in our lifetime. Oh. Yes. So I'm sure that everybody has been feeling the energy building strength from the 2nd of February 22, so 2222, um, heading towards Tuesday, 22222. With that, so uh, energetically, um, either you're feeling super-duper charged or you're feeling super-duper drained, or you're just feeling completely crackers. Um, um, I'm drained. I have to tell you the truth. Had I am drained as all headaches. hell. But I've, it's mm-hmm. full moon as well, so mm. I've had the full moon yes. headache. Yes. But the date, two, 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 is packed with the number two. And in numerology, yes, <laughs> <laughs> represents balance, harmony, and compassion. And the number two also holds power over situations, and it's very intuitive. So when two, 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 two are added together, it produces ten, which reduces to one. And number one is about independence, ambition, and new beginnings. Ah. So that makes. Two, 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 two. The perfect day for working that relate to turning over a new leaf or embracing peace and balance in your life. Mm. So how can we make the most of this magical day? How can we? Firstly, tune into your psychic self. So whether it's through meditation, practicing your psychic skills, tarot or runes, just spend some time on that day connecting to your psychic self so just you and the universe in communication. Mm-hmm. And the dog. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to get a word in every show, doesn't she? <laughs> she does. Definitely cleanse your space. So throw open your windows, um, sweep the house, take a bath. 
make a magical floor wash and just cleanse so we've got space for this new energy to come in. I have to clean? Well, when I say sweep, you can do that as an energetic sweeping. Right. With your mind. Sit there with... I'll just visualise it. Because the body doesn't know the difference between (laughs) real sweeping and psychic sweeping. Okay. I'm going to remember that. psychically sweep and you'll be fine, right? Yeah. Just just flutter your hands in a shoo-shoo motion. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But most of all, manifest like the magical manifesting mofo that you are. Yes. So write down your intentions and really fixate on what it is that you want and feel the feels that this brings. I'm already fixated. Every cell. Yeah. Reenact how you will feel when your intention comes to pass. So, you know, I keep imagining how I'm going to feel when I check the lotto app and there's $120 million. Oh, Uh, and so I can really feel that. Oh, yeah, so can I. <laughs> but all of this is happening in the watery sign of Pisces. So we are awash with water, which is allowing us to be fluid and it's uh, uh, enabling us to swim very deeply into our emotions. Mm-hmm. And we need to go there. It's my husband's to birthday tomorrow. Feel. He's a Pisces. He's a pe- Pescus. Oh. <laughs> He's been feeling very wishy-washy. Go ahead. Yes, but being that this is the most significant date on this day, I want everyone to know that abundance is their natural state and you can have the life that you dream of. So embark on a positive new journey, whether whatever that may be for you. It might be studying something for the sheer love of the subject or the joy of learning something new, but whatever it is on that Tuesday... I think say yes to whatever the universe has to offer you. Beautiful words. Beautiful nice. words. Nice. I'm going to draw a That's number two on me so yeah. I can re- just visualise it all day. Is there a, a particular crystal you would suggest? <coughs> I would go with clear, plain old clear quartz. Right. Keep a nice amplifier. Keep mm-hmm. it powerful. Yep. Yep. Keep it grounded. Keep it real. Keep it powerful. Oh. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Miss Crispy. Oh, thank you. And do you have any interesting stock arrived in your shop? Not yet. Oh. But there is exciting oh, stuff coming. Stuff coming. Oh, we know what's coming. Australia Post has given me notification. Oh. <laughs> well, once will be here somewhere in the next 27 days. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> out to delivery in 27 days. Awesome. No. So, yes, we've got some legal something special coming in. So be, we just have to wait. be good mm. for Mother's Day too. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Miss Christie, as usual. Perfect for uh, intention building and um, thank you so much for your knowledge and we will speak to you next week. Okay. Bye. 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 You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And we just have a few minutes left before we finish the show for another week. And remember, everyone, that two, 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 two <laughs> is coming up on Tuesday. Big shout out to my husband for a happy birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Arik. Don't expect anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's broke. She's not, just, there's no money. Just know I love you. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Sky. Thanks for texting in to say hello. Um, and Robert, I'm not going to 
read that out on air. <laughs> and uh, what have we got here? This hilarious and another graphic novel from the Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Catherine has her white pants on and she is singing. Now, I'm old enough to remember the first time they showed that clip on Countdown. Um, and, and you asked uh, your he, mother, what was that bulge in his pants? <laughs> But they were they were built. No, no, my mother wouldn't have watched anything like that. Goodness <laughs> gracious me! Um, I used to be stuck to um, Countdown yeah. every week. Like yeah. it, it was it was my church. Mm. It honestly was, and they made a big fuss of this for weeks on end before it came out. And the moment that started, oh my god! It was the most amazing thing you ever saw in your whole goddamn life. <laughs> And the song is still awesome. Now, do it's you know awesome. that I was telling Renata during the break, but does our audience know that that is the song that they use for resuscitation? So um, when I said you can practice your resuscitation, I meant it because I saw on TV once there was someone they were showing the resuscitation on someone and it was drama and they're going, like, da, 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 staying alive. Staying alive, and they were singing it as they were doing resuscitation. I'm thinking, what are they doing that for? And it turns out that this song is what you should think of when you are performing resuscitation on people to help keep the perfect beat, the perfect rhythm. Isn't that fantastic? That is absolutely fantastic. Now, we've got a few things coming up this week before we finish off. You've got to be quick, though. We've got our Stroud Ghost Tour coming up on Saturday night. We have a few tickets left. If you haven't been out to Stroud yet, it's only about an hour out of Newcastle, and uh, it's a really great tour. We go to the courthouse, we go through the cemetery, and we end up (coughs) in Quamby House. And Quamby House is this fantastic, awesome house. It's now a museum, uh, but people used to live there, uh, and uh, a lady raised her whole family family there without running water or toilet facilities or power in the house my goodness prior to that it was a schoolhouse it's fabulous but you know nice drive out to Stroud so please buy your tickets and we have um, got the introduction to paranormal investigation or ghost hunting a course that we're running starting next Tuesday Um, you can find that on Eventbrite introduction to paranormal investigation with Anne and Renata runs for three weeks from 7.30 to 9pm if you can't watch it live with us and do the class live that is okay it is recorded and you can watch it at your leisure but get those tickets now so you don't miss out because it's presented in only the way that we can we need to get out of here renata yep and good night sayonara see you later see you on the dark side and, and remember stay spooky bye, bye guys most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts but sometimes the facts don't give us the answer so it's time to call in Anne and renata Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.